Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy, it's the track. Abanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out. Welcome back uh, to the Board Breakdown podcast with me, Johnny Bullock, and it's just me today. Um, there's no Elliot or Dana with us. Um, we're going to be back next week and recording the podcast when we'll probably break down um, Blackburn Rovers and transfers and all that kind of fun stuff. But today um, it's just me, and I'm going to speak a, lo- a little bit about um, the Aston Villa game, the three goal breakdown, which I promised. Um, we'll talk about Blackburn Rovers, we'll talk about January signings and and, and so forth and really moving forward from that but let's really kick things off um, talk Aston Villa um, and what a really disappointing result it was um, I've never really seen a team drop back um, from the, the first whistle ever in my entire life and um, we did drop about 10 yards within um, well the first 5 seconds really that kind of dictated the pit, uh, dictated the game for me um, I'm not really surprised that we lost to Aston Villa um, probably not uh, I think Aston Villa a uh, far superior team to us. Um, and I think the league's a little bit deceiving um, in terms of the strength and then the quality of the squad that they have. Um, the thing is of Aston Villa, they've got so much money now. Um, and you know, at the start of the season, you think a bank up probably towards the bottom of the league, and then that billionaires took them over, and it, it seems just to revolutionise revolutionised their whole their whole uh, season. Really, I know. Dean Smith came in and they've got that momentum with him now and they look a really good side um, with Tammy Abraham up there I thought John McGinn was outstanding I'll probably come on to him in, in just a second um, but the quality that they have with Yannick Balassi, um Jack Grealish is for me I think a bit overrated but again that type of style and they had so much power and we did deserve to lose the football match and I think it's not like a Tyson Fury uh Deontay Wilder um, mix up uh, match up where everyone thinks to draw Fury one by the Fury one just thrown out there, um, but it wasn't like that type of match up. It was more or less a, an absolute pummel in from Aston Villa. Um, and just before I break that down, there's a player I want to go into, and that's John McGinn. Um, he's just arrived for Aston Villa um, this season, and he absolutely dictated the play against us. Um, they set up in a in a four four one one formation. Um, at the start of the game and they played with 
with um, an expansive style of football and people will probably be complaining saying that no one's marking wide um, but Middlesbrough are quite a narrow team when they play that 4-3-3 lineup. It's because we just don't have the pace um, and also when you play that narrow style um, that winger has to come in and has to knock the ball in the box and when he knocks that ball in the box there's going to be four to six men in there hence why Middlesbrough are playing quite narrow if anyone was particularly interested in that but John McGinn himself he got the ball he moved it well it was it was really good performance from him um, he just overran the midfield and what a hit that allowed him to do as he was overrunning the midfield was give Jack Grealish a space um, and felt like he felt like that Clayton was constantly out of position um, but it wasn't it was more or less um, a Jack Grealish performance where he's allowed to roam around and float, float between Tammy Abraham and the wingers and try and double up um, on the fullback um, but do I think Jack Grealish had a great game not really. Um, I thought Jack Grealish, with the amount of space that he had and the amount of time and effort that he could, he could have, you know, laid a lovely ball across, um, or he could have set something up or done some, just done something a little bit extra. Um, Aston Villa, you know, the, the fans they all say that he's a he's a fifty million pound player. Um, probably highly disagree. He's not even worth half that at the moment. Um, he's going to be a good talent, you know, but is he as good as to say the likes of Jaden Sancho or? Um, Alexander Arnold, Alexander Arnold, of course he's a, he's a wing back, but in terms of like talent and technically gifted, um, I can't really see that at the moment. Oh, probably Reese Nelson as well, probably putting in that. Um, Jack Willis has a long way to go. He's kind of, in my opinion, I think the championship is his level at the moment. Um, that's not me being naive or being rude or anything like that. I think that's just my opinion. I think he's not as as, as good as people make out. Um, but let's move on to a more like a Middlesbrough performance. Um, there's a few things that I wanted to, to break down and I feel like this podcast is going to be a bit more of like a rant in the first half and I feel like the three goal breakdown which I'm going to come on to is going to be something that yeah, might interest fans or have a different perspective um, in, in the game. So I, when I went to the game on Saturday I decided to move seats. Um, I went to I went and sat in the, in the west stand funny enough and we're normally in the south floor um, in, in, in block 59 um, and you know, it's you see a different perspective when you're in the south compared to when you're in the west. And when you're in the west, and you see a little thing, you see the, the game completely different. You see the formations, you see the movement, you see the off the ball runs, which is really great. But I decided to sit in the west just because of my, my partner. Um, she's really <laughs> into football, which is unbelievable. Actually, you know, when you find someone like that, it's just a, it's it's a joy. Um, but she used to play for Barnsley Academy and then Leeds Academy as well, and that was just we used to have competitions when we were younger, so that was that was quite fun. But anyway, talking about the West Stand and the atmosphere is completely different, and I really enjoyed actually sitting there. To be fair, I might consider moving soon. But um, but in terms of the game itself, um, soon as the ref blew the whistle, I know I mentioned it, but Middlesbrough dropped a good ten yards back. That really just set the tone for the football game. Um, it looked like we were trying to play a defensive counter-attack at home against a promotion rival um, and that for me is a quite bizarre way to, to look at it but the reason why we played it is because Aston Villa are a much better side than us and that's reality more or less um, I'm not saying that you know the, 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 I think I do think the table lies a little bit where we are and I think we are overachieving too um, I, I don't I think we've been very very lucky to be in the position that we are we've done exceptionally well to get there um, but I think everyone's just dying for January at the moment. Um, but 
in the likes of who do we get in, I think we have to look at left backs and right backs and wingers and, and, and at number 10, the centre forward, there's, there's quite a lot of holes to fill. Um, the reason why I say left back, I think just George Friend, on that Saturday performance, he got torn apart by Yannick Balassi and um, the other winger, I can't remember, his name was top of my head, but um, he got absolutely torn, it was 2v1, the pace killed him and the pace killed Dale Fry as well. And when you have that pace and power, it's so difficult to defend against. Um, and I felt a little bit sorry for, for them in the game. But in terms of friend, it's been a kind of recurring theme this season. Yes, there's that George Friend fan club, which deserve their respect. And George has been a fantastic servant of the football club. But sometimes you've got to let them go. Um, even let him go to a league below or let him go to another championship side. I think it's just right for him now to to move on. Um, yes, he's the club captain, and well, he's he's a captain. But he's not club captain. Grand is a club captain, but he's a match day captain at the moment. And quite frankly, I, I just don't think he's been good enough this season. Yes, he has that one or two game uh, games where he shows glimpses, and you think, you know what, George, I take it back. And sometimes you do, and that's what football essentially does. Um, do you do take back statements? But I think in the overall agenda and the where we are at the moment. I don't think Friend will be able to do the step up if we were to go up this year. Um, I don't think he'd be able to, to, to match that. I think it's a shame that McQueen got injured um, because I feel like he'd be taking his place at the moment. Um, also, Danny Bart. I thought Danny Bart was quite poor. Um, in the first couple of games where he was playing against Stoke and, um, and in other games as well, he's, he seemed very solid um, next to Aidan Flynn. But I think... Sitting in a different seat showed me a different perspective of the football match, um, and everyone sees a game differently. Um, and whether it's on the telly or if it's in a different seat, or if you watch positioning. And when I'm at football matches, I don't really watch the ball as much. I always watch the position. I think that's more of like a coach's, like a coach's eye. Um, you you tend to see where people are positioned. Are they technically good enough? Um, and quite frankly, I think Tammy Abraham absolutely torn apart. Um, at the at the weekend, I thought Tammy Abraham was excellent for for Aston Villa. He's He's lanky, he's strong, he's horrible to play against. He's, he's very, very intelligent. He makes intelligent runs. That second goal where he gambles and scores, it's very, very difficult for a defender to get that because they'll probably turn it in the wrong net. Um, but in terms of Danny Bart, he just, I don't think he's technically a very, very good player at all. Um, and that's quite... People are going to be like, oh, you ridiculous. Um, why you haven't got Danny Bart? Um, it's not like a... A goal. I think he's more of like a, a kicker and a header rather than a technically gifted centre back. And um, if you look at the likes of Dale Fry and then you look at the likes of uh, Danny Bart, there's two completely different comparisons of how their complete style. It's it's just completely different. Um, Dale Fry would probably be suited towards more of like a Manchester City and Liverpool type centre back. Um, whilst uh, Danny Bart, if he was to, if we're trying to remain in that top four, top six, he would probably aim towards that Manchester United um, and. And probably Chelsea too. He's kind of that type of centre back. Um, by the way, I'm not saying that these those two centre backs should play for those football clubs at all. I'm just saying, like in terms of style, then that makes more sense. But Danny Bart, I thought was quite poor, um, and I thought collectively the whole team was poor. Um, but there's one player I think who was completely out of form at the moment, and that's Mohamed Bezic. And Mohamed Bezic, for me, um, that first few weeks when he came back, he was great, um, and now he's just went. He just died out. He's been very, very poor. It seems like he just needs to time out the team um, and give someone else a chance. I know we've spoke with George Savile a little bit, and George Savile trying to get his chance um, once again to see if he can prove that that price tag, which we're going to be paying for him in, in January. Um, but it probably would be worth him giving him a go, or 
there's the opportunity to bring in Lewis Wing and to play that role with Johnny Housen. And I think Lewis Wing has deserved his chance. He's, he's been very, very good since he's came at the team. He was excellent again at Preston. He's scoring goals. Um, he's got that beautiful goal against Crystal Palace, and I think we do say that um, Lewis Wing should be in the team quite frequently in this podcast. And again, that's for me. I think he should be starting again against Blackburn. I take Mohamed Bezic out of the team. Sometimes when you're out of form as a player, you, there's two ways you've got to work about it. You either play through it and get yourself out of it, or some players just need to sit down and you know get themselves up the firing line a little bit and start again and come back in the team slowly again. I think that's more Mohamed Bezic's style. Um, even though Bezic is a bit more of a it's a physical player and he wants to get stuck in all the time. He's just he's slowing the game down too much for me um, at the moment. I think that's not really helping Middlesbrough um, get up the pitch at all, especially when you've got like, the likes of Clayton there. Clayton who stops the ball and slows the game down, helps the players get up the pitch. Bezic is a little bit opposite. Um, against Aston Villa, he got the ball and he'd take about six or seven touches to try and get out of it. it it's got to be give and go, um, especially when you're playing that, trying to play counter-attacking football at home or in any types of uh, football. When you're trying to play that counter-active style, you do need a bit of pace and you need to move the ball quickly. That's what makes the counter-attack brilliant than what it is. Um, but we were just too slow on that. Um, so let's move on anyway. Um, I've had my little rant about the players, but... Um, the three goal breakdown um, it's something that I was actually quite excited to do um, when I was watching the game itself um, it was more or less I was thinking of how could we do things differently and funny enough I, the sad person I am I actually watched a bit of the game back um, just to see how the goals fared and could we have done something differently um, in, in, in those goals and the three goals are three different set players well, not really set players, to be fair. Um, three goals, two set plays, um, and the third goal is an absolute uh, howler. But I'll, they all have reasons behind them. Um, so the first goal itself, um, they get, Aston Villa get a corner. And before they get the corner, uh, Millsbury are very, very poor here. Um, they don't get the lines cleared, and they let the pressure have to get to them, and they give the, the, the ball away, um, and it goes off for a corner against Dale Fry. Um, from that, um, the ball comes across um, and you've got the line of defenders there um, Dale Fry's a little bit out of position um, it's just, he's just I think he expects Darren Randolph to catch this ball um, so the ball gets whipped in um, it, it, Randolph does get a nudge um, but he should be ca- catching that ball when the ball's past him it hits off Dale Fry um, when Dale Fry's a good yard away from uh, James Chester um, and it hits Dale Fry, and then it hits Chester, and Chester knocks it in the back of the net. How can Mills do things differently in there? Well, one, the easy one is Darren Randolph, you've got to catch the ball there. Um, and two, uh, Dale Fry needs to be a bit more on his toes. But also, there's a couple of things that happens in this goal, um, which people probably won't see, and that Darren Randolph does get a knock in this, and... The, the the reason why he gets a knock is because the centre forward um, Tammy Abraham who's standing in front of he's standing in, he's standing goal sides of uh, Aidan Flint and Aidan Flint's let him come through there a little bit so he's got that little nudge in it's not it's not a foul by any means he's managed to use his body in there and attack for the ball Randall's missed it um, and and they've scored it's one nil. And from that goal, it kind of really dictated the game in, in, his, in his, as well. Um, I know we say Millsby played defensive straight from the off, but 
as soon as they scored, we stepped another couple of yards back. We didn't really get going until like that 30, 34th minute um, where we just we started to really get back into the game. I thought Tavernier was a little bit better. He was a little bit bright, but in terms of like the actual play itself, we were very, very poor. We couldn't string two or three passes together, and it was very frustrating to watch, um, not just for me, but even if you're a neutral fan as well, you're thinking, Jesus Christ, how the hell are these third in the league? They're playing a team like they're playing like a team that is lower end of the championship, and a little bit like the Ipswich game. It was kind of like we were Ipswich a little bit. We tried to like hold them off a little bit, and then we just give up in the end. Um, but the second goal um, itself is, anyways, is very, very frustrating, um, especially from a manager's perspective. It's it's so poor. It's textbook. Um, it's it's also kids level defending from Middlesbrough. Um, so. Aston Villa get the corner from the right on the right hand side. A short corner, down and step by himself. It's actually a three v one. Um, you can't really see it on on the camera, but when you're sat in the west stand, um, you've got the you've got um, McGinn who takes the corner. Um, you've got greater shots with him, and then Millsburg. So anyway, Millsburg the ball. Ball comes into the box. Downing's by himself, it's 3v1 anyway, so Downing's by himself, Clayton's a bit too close to John and Hugel, John Hugel and, and Clayton are actually marking no one at this point, um, Yannick Bellati's in the middle, um, with, and he's already marked, so there's two free men there, so you can match up the straight away there, if you're on your toes early on, and you always says, even in the, even in the lowest like leagues, um, and in football, even with the youngest ones, you also be on your toes straight away. Stop that short corner coming in, you know, because teams can play around you. Um, if for me, if if I were in that position again, Downing needs to be calling his man all the way in between Clayt or John Hugel. Come out, come out the box. Try and make it a little bit difficult. Let them get the ball in the box. You know, we've got two centre backs there. It was six foot four. And Dill Fry's six foot one. I think friends the same. You know, you've got the you've got about eight and nine men in the box there to to defend the corner. Let them swing the ball in. But anyway, we let them play. We get the ball comes out again. Um, Grealish plays it to I think it's, it's John McGinn again, who's just outside um, the boxes. It's like a two v one again, and it's not Downing. It is uh, actually no, it's it's Stuart Downing that's marking the man. Um, and from where Downing's marking him, um, Clayton comes out of position uh, he's also joined by Johnny Housen and he's also joined um, by John Hugel and no sorry it's, sorry, it's, it's Britt down in Housen and Clayton um, they all walk out um, and then they make a square um, a squared formation and the easy thing is for this Grealish gets the ball he plays it one side to McGinn McGinn straight ball through um, as Mills were playing a square there's you know there's there's uh, Johnny Housen that's marking no one um, John and Hugo's fell asleep Yannick Balassi's on his own and bear in mind you should never give Yannick Balassi a couple of a couple of yards because he'll tear you apart um, and he plays a lovely ball across goal and Tammy Abrahams knocks it in um, so how would you really defend against that well one be on your toes two don't ball watch um, Adam Clayton was caught ball watching along with um, John Hugo when Middlesbrough come out together keep the line it's it, it, I know it's very basic coaching and people say why do you get out together um, in terms of like galley box um, is because you stopped the ball from coming back in um, but if Millsburg kept a straight line there and defensive line and move as a unit 
it would have been a little bit more difficult for Yannick Bolassi to get the ball and would have forced Aston Villa to either play the ball back or either just knock the ball in the box and for Randolph to catch on or Millsworth to get cleared. Um, but unfortunately, when we've took four men out of the box, we've got now got five men in there um, and they had six men forward, which is going to, you know, one extra man in the squad. Um, it, the funny thing is, um, when you look at this goal back and you look how good defensively Millsborough have been, um, they've made three individual errors um, against Aston Villa. And, and yes, the run of play at Aston Villa with a much, much better team. Um, but in terms of like the goals itself, you know, they're all, all defendable. But the third goal itself, um, Hogan runs in, he forces a save from Randolph, which is a great save from Randolph. But ideally, it's poor defensive work from Aidan Flint. And, Donny Bart, they just let him run through um, as well. He just does one little chop, he's in. He should really smash it in the top corner, if I'm honest, um, Hogan, if I'm being really critical of him. Um, he should really knock the end, it should be 3 0. But when. Uh, <laughs> the crazy thing is about this goal, when Scott Hogan shoots, Middlesbrough have eight players in the box. Um, you have eight players in there, you get them beat 2 0, and. And the worst thing is, um, when Glenn Whelan goes to shoot, John Hugel is again falling asleep, and he's, you know, he's about five, six yards behind him. Um, you know, well, say say what you want, but Glenn Whelan just strikes it, and well, Darren Randolph should really save that, shouldn't he? Um, it's it's very very poor from him, but you know, the the game was done anyway. Randolph's been probably one of the best players that we've had this season. He's been the most consistent. He got shortlisted for Player of the Month um, this month. So, ideally, you know, you can't really fault him too much. Um, but that is an individual error. So, three individual errors, um, which give Aston Villa the game. But anyway, you know, let's move on um, now and let's talk about January. Um, coming quick and fast, um, just before we go to um, Blackburn Rovers at home um, and before I move on to that bit towards the end but let's talk about January window, Middlesbrough were um, linked with Stipe Perica from uh, Udinese's current loan at uh, Frosinone is that how you say it? But anyway uh, he's 6 foot 4, used to play for Chelsea um, is he a striker that Middlesbrough need? <sighs> you know if we were to bring in a striker now it's like bringing in a striker, it's like bring- buying a new car without any wheels um, at the moment this team itself, um, it, it's not good enough. You know, it, it's it's not good enough to get promoted. It's not good enough for the playoffs. Um, it's too defensively sound. Yeah, okay, defensively you can get promoted on a very very good defense. I think it's sixty two percent of teams um, who have the best defense tend to go up. So that's technically in your favor. Um, but again, there's there's no attacking outlet. Um, if we were to bring in uh, Stipe, then who's going to leave? Um, Asan Belonga's favourite to leave. Martin Braithwaite would probably leave. Um, I don't think Rudy Gestead will. I think Rudy Gestead's too injured. And who would want who would want Rudy Gestead at the moment? Um, and also, John Hugel's on loan, so we can't get rid of him. Ashley Fletcher. Um, for someone, I think Ashley Fletcher deserves a chance in the team. Now he deserves a run in the team because no one else is, you know, hammering the door down. I think. John Hugo played okay. I thought John he played okay on on Saturday, but actually Fletcher definitely deserves a chance back on the team. But what does Millsborough need in the, in that transfer window? Um, we do need 
two fullbacks, like I mentioned, and we need two wingers. Um, a number 10 if we were to play a 4 2 3 1 uh, formation, which is probably similar as we're at the moment, and also a, a centre forward. Um, the only reason I say 4 2 3 1 was probably similar as we're at the moment is because it gets more players up the pitch. Um, when we play this flat 4 3 3, there's such a huge gap between Hugel um, and the other three centre midfielders. and it doesn't help when we're trying to attack football, uh, attack attack um, defend defending team because we have we have six to eight players playing back at the moment, and we've got the five at the back and we've got the three in midfield, um, and it's, it's horrendous at times to to try and move the ball up, um, especially um, as how we're playing at the moment. But with Jeremy Link of Perica, you know if he was to come in, there's he needs service. It's it's as simple as that. He needs service, and there's another January link that um, was mentioned a couple of weeks ago, and he plays for South End. He's 18 year old, and it's Drew Yearwood. Um, I've been really fortunate to actually see Drew Yearwood play. Um, I've seen him at the start of pre-season for South End. Funny enough, and how would you see a South End pre-season game? And it was literally just by fucking chance, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, but uh, Drew Yearwood is someone. If you haven't seen him, he's a very very good talent. Um, he's really just broke through this season for Southend and does he deserve a move up to the championship um, if I was Drew Yearwood at the moment um, I would probably be saying stay for another season with Southend because you're going to get more game time um, and develop your football and skills even more and then work your way up um, there's also a player that plays for Yeovil um, called Ceci Almeida or Eldermeer um, he's Beninese centre midfielder very very talented footballer there's some good players kicking around in league one league two at the moment um but mills shouldn't really be looking at that at the <laughs> looking at that if they want to get promoted but there is some good players there he's playing with alex patterson who's on loan at the moment as well as enes and mamutovic um too but they're two young players who i would definitely look at um in the future if you want to stay in this division um but um, there's a couple of players that mills should be looking towards and one of them is playing probably saturday and that's Derek williams that is at um, Blackburn Rovers, he's a left back he's very very quick um, he's very agile too um, he hasn't really been getting a look in as much as people would say would this year um, but he's a very good full back in my opinion um, he hasn't really got the exposure that many people would you know, give him credit for he's a Republic of Ireland internationally he has got a couple of caps he's played with Darren Randolph too um, so a bit of Irish contingency there but he's a, could be a good replacement for uh, for George Friend, if we were to let him go, um, in terms of wingers, you know, there's see if we could push our luck. But there's Hudson or Dolly that plays for Chelsea, not getting game time. Um, very, very good young footballer. He's definitely coming through the ranks, and he's going to be a special, special player. Um, so in the next few years, you'll probably be seeing a lot of Hudson or Dolly. Um, but he's a, he's just oh, he's, he's such a good footballer, especially for his age. Um, he's a very exciting player watching. There's a lot. There's a very good crop of young players coming through at the moment, um, coming through in England, um, not necessarily other English, but in terms of, um, it's a very good crop coming through. Um, also, there's there's players that like are not playing at all. Um, the likes of Victor Moses, would he want to come to the Middlesbrough Football Club? Probably not. Um, would we go for a Dolmer again? Um, that looks a bit under the radar at the moment. De- um, Dean Smith said that it wasn't going to be something that he'd probably allow but you know that money talks in football and I think he's just trying to take a little bit of pressure off the dorm um, and try and keep him at the football club um, but let's move on now um, Blackburn Rovers the return of Tony Mowbray a Middlesbrough legend um, and pl- a manager who for me 
um, deserves a lot of credit for what he did at the football club, especially at that time. You know, we were, we were on our ass when he took over um, after that Strachan era, and that Strachan era was possibly possibly one of the worst eras I've ever seen as a football um, as a football fan. Horrendous, absolutely horrendous. And um, when Mowbray came, and he completely revolutionised the team and revolutionised the town. And yes, it was sometimes dying. We had a horrendous team. Um, but he managed to get a seventh. He managed to keep us up in the division when we were looked certain to go down. I remember the game against Sheffield United when we won two one and Marvin Emner scored um in the second half and it was kind of like to seal us not going down and we end up finishing twelfth that season. And that was a real credit to him and what he's doing at Blackburn is again I don't know if I say credit, but it's a credit to him and a credit to Mark Venus who are at uh, Blackburn at the moment and they're doing a fantastic job fantastic job they did excellent getting them promoted last year they were very much a sleeping giant and they're doing well again this year you know not much investment they were okay they brought in Ben Brereton um, who is again going to be a a talent once he gets going and I think they're going to probably finish top top 10 top 12 uh, top half anyway um, towards the end of the season there's players that you should be looking at and there's a number 10 that should be on everyone's lips um, and someone who Mills we should look at and that's Bradley Duck and um, Bradley Duck has been absolutely brilliant for uh, Blackburn Rovers over the last couple of seasons last year he was instrumental you know he's someone who you should probably took a gamble on last year to try and get you up but this year he's doing exactly the same thing it's this division just suits him down to a tee he's very direct he's strong he's quick he's very technically good he's you know he has flair he has pretty much everything um, everything that you need from a championship player and he has more flair than what we have now and I would have Bradley Dak in our team and if, if you wouldn't have Bradley Dak um, in this middle at the moment you'd probably have a look at yourself because we have nothing going forward um, and he would be a great number 10 if we could uh, but these guys play a 4-2-3-1 formation um, Williams obviously laying the left back um, Harrison Reed, um, and I think it's Craig Conway that play on, on the wings in that three with Bradley Dak in the middle. Um, Richie Smallwood is obviously returning um, to the Riverside. It's always good to see Richie Smallwood come come back to the Riverside and when he was playing for Rotherham and when now he's playing for Blackburn. A good player. He's a very good player. Was unfortunately, he didn't really make a huge statement on his side. Yes, he played quite a few games, but again, didn't really make that big statement that we want uh, from academy players, which is very, very unfortunate. Um, but the type of style that Blackburn plays, they have that possession style. But sometimes, I think against us, they're probably going to try and hit the ball long a little bit and hit the ball on the channels um, for Danny Graham to kind of, you know, chest down, um, play at Bradley Dak and play the through ball um, for Conway and for Harrison Reed to chase onto. Um, you know, if I was Tony Mowbray, I'd be looking at that perform- Mills performance against Aston Villa and he, probably, he would have watched it, you know, borough through and through. Um, he would have probably seen so many flaws in that defence that he'll be saying to his players, you know what, come Saturday, attack them. Really attack them because the thing is with Millers at the moment, we don't know what to do when we're getting attacked against. We kind of shit ourselves a little bit. We're like, oh, fuck, we've got a bit of pressure on. Um, we can't really defend against this. <laughs> but if I was Mowbray, you know say front foot, get the ball through, um, play the ball out wide, overlap with your wing backs, make it very difficult for the likes of Dale Fry, or for a returning Ryan Shotton to play right back, or um, George Friend on the left side, double up on your wing backs, knock the ball in the box, draw the ball back, force Danny Bart or 
Ayalif, Ayalif's meant to come into the squad, or um, what's his name, Aaron Flint, um, whoever's playing that, try and pull them out a little bit, cause a bit of problems. You know, they've got the five midfield against our three, they have two extra men there, which we could really not do against, but maybe it's a formation we should potentially look at, and I'm going to come out to that now. Um, my match prediction as well for um, Blackburn is going to be 1-1. And the reason why um, I'm going one one is I can't see us keeping a clean sheet. Uh, I think we're too. I think not not that we're leaky, um, but I think that confidence will be shot from the Aston Villa game. Be really shot, you know. I think sometimes when you you play against a team like that, um, and bear in mind Aston Villa are way off from where we are. The points way so many points behind us, but when you get beat by a better side like that, it's how you react to it. And that's the half the battle. And if we let, if we concede the first goal against Blackburn, then it could be it could be anything. Um, but if we were to score first, we'll kick on. And I think we'll win the football match quite comfortably. I think we'll win two. I think we'll win two nil if we score that first goal. But if we don't, I don't think we will either. I think Blackburn might sneak goal in the first twenty five minutes, um, put the pressure on early doors. And if they do that, I think we'll draw one one. And I can't see Blackburn at all really keeping a clean sheet with their defensive record. Um, and who would start for me? Um, and I'm going to pick up uh, my starting eleven. I'm also going to pick a probable starting eleven as well. My starting eleven, I'd probably play a three-five-two. Um, and people say it's probably the end of the three-five-two last week. And when we played against Preston, it didn't really work um, too much. And the only reason I'm going to play the three-five-two is if Ryan Shotton's fit. Um, and I'm going to play Randolph and goal. It's standard. Um, I'm going to bring Ayala back in the team um, with. Aidan Flint and Dale Fry, um, they'd be my three centre backs. And with those, I'd have wing backs if Ryan Shotton was fit and George Friend on the other wing. And the three in midfield would be Lewis Wing, it'd be Adam Clayton and Johnny Housen. And up front, I would probably play it to more of like a 1 1 formation um, with Stuart Downing and Britt Assom Balonga. And uh, that'll be my 11. Uh, but the problem of 11 will be. Four three three formation. It'll be Randolph in goal. It'll be the same back line, I believe. Or I think Danny Ayala might come in for Danny Bart. Um, that might be a, a surprise um, change for us. In midfield, it's going to be Johnny Housen. I think it'll be Lewis Swing coming back into the fold, and, and also uh, Adam Clayton. And then Stewie Down and Marcus Taverni on the wings um, with Jordan Hugel up top. So this is the Borough Breakdown podcast. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you haven't been sick of hearing my voice for probably about the last 20, 30 minutes. Um, I've got a really bad throat as well, so um, I won't keep this for too long. But we're going to be back on the mic again next Thursday. I'll be joined again with Dane. I'll be joined with Elliot. Um, we'll probably break down the Blackburn game. We'll go more into transfers and we'll go more into a little bit of football chat as well. So this is Borough Breakdown podcast. I'm Johnny Bullock. Thank you very much. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avenelli 